everyone. I am personally, oh, what is my Tumblr name? I just changed it. Personally Borderline, and this is my first audio recording. Um, I used to be on Tumblr many moons ago, actually, back when the XKit guy was, um, was active. And then I took a couple year hiatus, a couple year break, and I came back to um, just close off my accounts, close off everything that I'd posted. You know, I had a lot of side blogs that were unused. I was hoarding a bunch of URLs and I came across my old advice blog and someone sent me a really, really nice ask um, that literally two years or three years ago, but two years after they came to my blog, and they talked about how they asked me for advice. I gave them great advice and I helped them out. And that led me to keep my advice blog, which was a side blog, which is a side blog. And now I have this main blog and I was figuring out what to do with it. And there's been a, quite a few things I wanted to do recently. And I was, I've been debating making a YouTube. I've been debating making a blog and making a podcast. And I think I've settled on... Um, making audio posts for my main Tumblr blog for many reasons. Um, and I'll explain some of them, which is really funny. I'm going to start this audio explaining things or things that I don't want to do and why before explaining what I do want to do and what I have to bring to the table, which I feel like might be a bad idea because I'm sure everyone who's listening, and by everyone I mean maybe the one person that's come across this three months after it's posted. Um, but what I didn't like about YouTube was... I like making videos, I like video editing, Editing. I do have a couple of YouTube accounts for other things, um, but I didn't want my face broadcasted and my identity broadcasted because I'm not sure how this topic of conversation is going to go over and how I really want to present this topic and the topics that I, I want to bring up here. Um, and they say you should be proud of your work, but also the internet has a tendency of taking things and spinning it and making it go out of hand. And I do have a personal life that I need to think of. So I didn't want my identity to be completely plastered with the videos that I was making. And then I was thinking of just doing text posts on a blog, on a Tumblr or on a blogger, but typing is a lot of work and proof editing is a lot of work. Um, and I was thinking of doing a podcast, but a podcasts are actually a lot more difficult to get up and running than you'd think. Not super difficult, um, but submissions and the nuance and exporting files and getting it on iTunes and not a lot of people listen to podcasts. So I figured I would mash up the podcast and the blogger format, which would be making audio files, just doing really long one-shots of me speaking, speaking on different subjects, um, and then posting them to Tumblr and people can reblog and bookmark and save and do whatever they want with that, um, I think might be the best, best way to go. I don't know. I'm a little wary. I might be talking about, I'll be talking about subjects that are Tumblr centric. Um, some people might say, oh, what does that mean? Uh, but we'll see as I upload, upload some more stuff. So I feel like the audience is good for the platform that I'm on. Um, there's good, good room for like social growth and, um, oh geez, I was going to say something. I was going to say something. I completely forgot what I was going to say. It's a, oh, it's a one shot. 
So basically, I'm just going to hit record. I'm going to keep talking. It's not going to be edited because I don't have the time. Um, so you're going to hear maybe some ums, some silence, me trying to gather my thoughts. And my URL. So my URL is personally borderline. And it pertains to me because I just, I recently was um, pre-diagnosed. And I'm going to explain why I say pre-diagnosed instead of diagnosed in a minute. But I was recently pre-diagnosed with a few mental illnesses, few mental disorders. And one of them is borderline personality disorder, which also comes hand in hand with depression and anxiety, which will come through later on. Um, so my old URL was cynically speaking, no longer. Now it's personally borderline. And this account will just be me counting my own personal thoughts and me kind of just cataloging my own mental illness and things that come along with my mental illness and things that I've experienced um, and things that I've learned. I've, I've, in the past less than a year has been really when I've accepted that something's wrong and something's not okay and that I need to get help and that I need to figure out what's going on with me through um, a series of different a series of different experiences and I'm going to be explaining these experiences as we go along on this journey of self-exploration um so I said I am pre-diagnosed and what that means is I've been to a few counselors um and by a few I mean two and the first one was unproductive for many reasons but one thing that that counselor at the time, or well, she was a social counselor, she's a social worker, suggested to me was looking into depression and anxiety disorders from what I was talking to her about. And I did. And, um, oh, geez. I'm also yawning a lot, which I should probably edit up, but I'm not going to. But, um, she also, I hope you can't hear me swallowing. I'm a little nervous, so. But she, so I, I looked them up and we talked about it and then I had to stop seeing her mainly because of insurance reasons and my life got busy and I just, I wasn't really feeling it for quite a few reasons. So I stopped seeing her and then um, a couple of things happened, which I'll talk about, but now I'm with a new therapist, a new counselor. She's really, really great. And um, she doesn't diagnose. She just... She helps people work through things and find coping mechanisms and <clears throat> strategies for the things that they're experiencing. So as I talk to her, she says, it sounds like you have this and it sounds like you have this. And I can see why your previous counselor um, pointed you in the direction of looking into this, this, this and this. So in a couple of our sessions, she said, yeah, so previous counselor X Um what did she tell you to look up? And I told her she told me to look up anxiety disorders and depression disorders. And then my current therapist, Y, is now saying Y is in the letter Y, not Y. Actually, let's do X and Z. So my current therapist, Z, um, is now saying, was prodding me and saying, okay, did you look into anything else? Um, and I said, well, I did, in fact, also look into personality disorders. And she said, yes, that's what I was going, moving towards because of the experiences that I was telling her. And, um, just the things that I was describing, um, and it was really nice and really validating to, um, hear someone kind of, kind of, um, echo my thoughts or speak my thoughts aloud, um, because there's nothing worse than thinking you have something and going to a doctor and going to a professional and them saying, everything's fine, you're looking too much into it, um, 
and you thinking that something's something's really wrong. Um, so that was really helpful and really nice. But I say pre-diagnosed and not diagnosed because she is under like a psychiatrist, a clinical psychiatrist, whatever, and she doesn't officially diagnose, but the leading psychologist does. And although she says, yes, you may have these things. Um, it sounds like you have these things. She's not going to label me. She's just like, yeah, low key. It sounds like you have these things, but I'm going to have to see the leading psychologist to get a confirmation. So I say I'm pre-diagnosed because we both discussed and we both said you have elements of these disorders. Um, so going off of these disorders, let's figure out your treatment. Let's figure out, um, Let's figure out how to cope and how to work through the things that you're experiencing. But if you want an official diagnosis, you're going to have to see me and the leading psychologist. That's basically what she told me. So I say I'm pre-diagnosed because it's it's kind of like the unsaid fact that this is what I have. But it's not something that's stamped on my medical record. This is what you have. Uh, I'm working towards getting an official diagnosis, not that it's required. Um, my therapist Z is always telling me like, it's not required. We can still work with, with what it is, but just personally for myself, I would prefer to have a concrete diagnosis because I find that in certain elements, I never wanted to jump the gun and say that I was depressed. I never wanted to jump the gun and say that I was anxious for a host of reasons. But now that I've found personality disorders, now that I've found BPVDD and um, unstable emotional personality disorder, so many things that are within it, I feel, describe me. And I think it's just helpful. Like some people don't want an identifier because they don't want to be pushed into a box or whatever. I, some of the things I do are, are very erratic and kind of irrational and very impulsive. And I like having that label and I like having that box so that now when I discuss with my friends and I do certain things, I can say, you know why I do the things I do? Um, well, I have this thing and I'm working through it and it's a lot better now that I'm aware of it. But before I wasn't aware and I was just kind of, I was confused and I was feeling a lot of things. And um, not to say that I, you know, I rely on my illness, not to say that I'll walk into a room and you know, assault a bunch of people and then the police show up and I'm like, oh, well, guess what? I have BPD. So I, I, I'm not responsible for my, my actions. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there's a lot of things that I've done, especially in my past that have seemed reckless and seemed erratic and seemed very, um, very just impulsive and not well thought out. Um, and very fickle. Um, these are all things that I've heard people call me and very unstable. Um, that I never understood, but it's it's weird because I'm very self-aware. So I'm, I'm aware that I, I do certain things. And even while I'm doing it in my head, I'll be like, you're being very difficult or you're being really erratic or you're being very impulsive. And the impulse will be so strong to do a certain thing or to act a certain way um, or react to people a certain way that even though I'm aware that I'm doing it, I keep doing it. And it's it's a weird cycle of me telling myself like, what are you doing? Like, stop this. You're not helping the situation. Like, stop, stop. But I keep doing it anyway. Or it's not an impulse, but it's it's a compulsion to do something, which I, I like to say are different. Um, it's a compulsion. It's it's a need to do something, but not a need in an in the impulse in the intrinsic impulsivity of it, but a need in the sense that I will get 
panic attacks and anxiety attacks if I don't respond to a situation a certain way. So it's kind of like I either do something that's ultimately detrimental to my personal relationships or I face multiple bombardments of crying fits and the shakes and um, and whatnot. Um, and it's it's just, it's nice to be able to have a conversation with my close friends and for them to say, hey, I noticed you did this, or hey, I noticed you went crazy here, you were manic here, um, which are valid points. There, there have been times when I've been very manic, when I've been very, um, very hard to deal with. And I can sit there and I can say, well, I have this disorder and these are the things that come with it and I'm working through it in this ways, um, in these ways, but um, this is how it kind of affects me and manifests itself within me. And, um, so I guess I want to spend the next, I don't know, we're at 13 minutes now. I don't know if I want to make these too, too long. I think between 15 minutes and a half hour. And again, when you're listening to these, um, feel free to pause and play and write down the time that you're at and, um, don't feel the need to listen to them all at once. I, I'm a student myself. I I work and I'm a student and I find that I like to listen to things, especially, people with smooth voices and people who have things to say, but not information that's too dire where I feel like I'm missing out on something if I'm not, you know, fully engaged. Like I want you to be able to come back and re-listen and get something different out of the things that I'm saying. Um, But that's one thing why I didn't want to make a blog and I was more leaning towards podcasts and YouTube, but not so much YouTube because it's visual. So you need to be actively watching. What I like about listening is like, you could have me playing in the background as you draw or as you read, if you're okay with that, or as you do minimal work, or if you're writing an essay or making an outline for something. And I can be integrated in other things in your life or as you cook or or whatnot. So you don't really need to block out a good half hour chunk of your week or your day or whatever, just to sit down and and be welcomed into my world and be welcomed into what I have to say, assuming that you you like to follow along in what I'm saying and assuming that you you're picking up what I'm putting down. But you can you can find my blog and you can turn on one of my posts and you can have it playing at whatever volume as you code or as you play a video game or as you research or as you read or as you write an essay or you make a craft or you I don't know you're bathing your kid I um which is also a disclaimer um I don't I I don't want to say this is a family show in the sense that I there's there are some NSFW topics that I might touch on in certain posts because no one's life is completely safe for work everyone has the nitty-gritty Um, But I think what I will do is instead of sprinkling certain explicit content or explicit stories within my just regular speakings, I will have posts and they might be shorter posts because they'll be very, very specific, very concentrated, or it'll be a really long post with a bunch of different topics, but I'll have specific posts titled NSFW and I'll be talking about topics or different topics that are not necessarily safe for work or not necessarily family, family oriented or, or whatnot. Um, but for the most part, um, I, I think this pod, 
or I, I want to call it a podcast, but these audio files, um, aside from ones that are explicitly tagged and, um, described will be family, family oriented in the sense that you can listen to it if you have small children around and you're helping them clean up or whatever. Or if you have a child who has some sort of emotional disorder, personality disorder, or some sort of depressive disorder or whatnot, um, and I don't know, you've stumbled across these or they've stumbled across these and you wanted to listen to them together as kind of like a supplemental resource for everything else, all the other research you're doing to try and figure out what's going on and how to work through things, then it'll be a good guide between, you know, if you have a 12-year-old who's, who's really erratic and trying to figure things out, what episodes are, are good to listen to with them or what episodes are good to listen just by yourself and you take what you need from it and then you, you relay it. Um, anyway, uh, so I guess that's just my little disclaimer. I do swear a lot in my own personal life. Um, I, have, I, I seem to have phases where I, I swear a lot more than, than not and then a lot less than I do. Um, I swore a lot when I was younger. Now because I'm, I'm in more professional settings and I'm working a lot more, I swear less, I suppose, just on reflex um, so that I don't get into the habit and that I'm not talking to customers or patrons and swearing left and right. Um, so with that in mind, I will try and keep profanity to a minimum with this because I don't know who's listening. Um, and I know some people just don't enjoy listening to profanity, so I'll try and keep that to a minimum. However, I, I especially if I'm talking about more, I think for... NSFW tag things, explicit content tag things, just be ready for any and anything and everything, to be honest. Um, I don't want to say be prepared to be offended. I mean, um, the things I'll be talking about might not be explicit to you, but I'll tag it just because it can can be explicit to someone else. Um, but then for things that don't have the tag, I think I'm going to try and keep it clean and fun and very scientific and just very personal experiences that are universal and just general. So um, that's a whole other four minutes that I was just talking about. My disclaimers, wow, I thought this would be difficult, but um, time's flying by. I'm watching the time counter right now. So what does BPD mean to me? What does borderline personality disorder mean to me? So I, I am, and I haven't been for the longest I can remember. I've never really been level emotionally in the sense that I've never been happy, content, and emotionally stable, emotionally grounded. Um, generally, I have always been, I've been depressed and I've been numb. I don't, so my emotions are kind of like a cycle. I don't feel a lot. I feel very numb. I'm very disengaged. I'm very disinterested in a lot of things. And then I have a thing with hope and I have a thing with um, expectations where, and this has come with years of practice, I, I don't really let myself hope for things anymore. When I was younger, I used to, I used to take everything at face value and it was very hard to, to um, navigate my emotions and control my emotions. And just even before I knew I had this thing and I knew I had emotional regulation issues, I, I just kind of learned to dull myself to life because it was it was so tiring becoming really manic and becoming really disappointed when things didn't happen and there's reasons for this and I'll get into reasons for this for in, in later podcasts but basically I I kind of go through this cycle 
and I'll start where I'm at now, which is where I'm not at personally right now, which is I'll be, you know, I'll be really low. I'll be really depressed. I'll be really disengaged. A lot of people say, look, angry, intimidating, sad, just resting, um, really aloof. And then something will come into my life and it'll be a new experience and I'll get really excited and I'll be, I'll get really high expectations and ahead of myself and I'll imagine what, where this opportunity could bring me, you know, three, four years in the future and where I can go with it. And, um, and I think the base of it is I, I, I look for a couple key things, um, and I look for things to fix me. I look for things to make me fundamentally happy. I look for things that will love me and teach me how to love. And a lot of the times those circumstances don't work out because I also, a lot of these circumstances have to do with people and personal relationships. And I'm really bad with people. And I will analyze everything that's that I say to someone or everything they say to me. And I, I'm not very trusting, um, which is a weird, a weird um, mix to have someone. Like you look at someone and you're like, this is a new friend or this is a boyfriend or whatnot. And I want them to fix me. I want them to love me unconditionally. But also I know I'm hard to love. So I want to become a person that I think they can love. But I also don't want to hide myself and I want to I want to show them who I am and I want I want them to see how I can be and how how we can be together and all my thoughts and all my feelings and I want to know everything about them but also I, I, I fundamentally cannot trust them because I don't I a don't trust their intentions because um because of the ways they've treated others or I fully trust their intentions but I don't trust myself and I don't trust that they will won't get bored of me so I need to find ways to be interesting but I'm not and honestly all these thoughts are constantly running through my head as I analyze every single word and every single tone and every single intonation that I get from another person um so I become a lot and I become it, it makes me very obsessive and it makes me very manic and that's that's my my next step in the cycle where I go from zero to 100. I go from feeling nothing to I let everything in. And that's when I start getting, um, I start getting panic attacks. Um, I feel very overwhelmed. Um, I feel just as suicidal as when I'm numb, but it's a different kind of suicidal because, because I'm feeling everything now I can't let go because I can, I can empathize with my friends and my family who would feel so sad with me gone, but I, I'm so bombarded by these emotions and by these feelings that I feel like it's too much. And um, I act out, I become impulsive, I, I say things, I try and, um, I, become, I become really manipulative when I'm manic because I'm, I'm obsessive over something and I want something, I'm obsessing over something. So whether it's someone staying in my life or getting someone to do something or whatever, because I'm obsessing over it, become manipulative um, because I don't want it to be gone. And a thing with me becoming obsessive too is um, when I'm in that state or when I have been in that state, because the only times these states have happened have been before my diagnosis. So I didn't really understand what was going on. I was just aware that I went through these cycles, but I didn't even know they were really cycles. I was just aware like I was difficult and I could be a lot and I could be nothing at all. And there was no middle and I'm hard to deal with, but I didn't understand why. So when these things would happen, I would confuse my manic stages and my stages of feeling with happiness. I thought, oh, I'm feeling now, I'm happy. So I thought I thought I would be okay. 
I thought I wouldn't be depressed. And I thought not being depressed meant being neurotypical. And I thought that would be cured. So a lot of the times also I would be manic and I'd be obsessive, but I'd also be obsessed with holding on to the situation that I was in because that situation kept me from feeling depressed and feeling numb and feeling suicidal in the other sense where I felt like life had nothing to offer and it's all meaningless and it's all nothingness. And I I wanted to die because, or I I want to die. I'm, I'm suicidal because like I, I feel like what's the point, but in, in those instances where I'm numb and I'm depressed and I'm low, um, and that's what I call it, it's kind of low and manic and level is kind of where I want to be. Um, and I, I just, I don't do it when I'm low because I just, I don't have the energy. I'm very fatigued. Um, and then when I'm manic, I'm, it's, life has everything to offer and I want to experience all of it. And I get very disappointed when I can't experience all of it in the way that I want to experience it in the way that in my head I have, I've played out the situation and I make scenarios in my head of, on how I want things to go. Um, but it's, it's life rarely, rarely imitates our imaginations and it rarely imitates the, um, the ideal way that we see things going. Um, and then I have, I feel like I have two phases in my, my manic phase and that's where, um, phase one is when I'm hopeful and I'm excited and I'm a lot and phase two is where I've been disappointed and I'm still manic and I still get panic attacks and I'm disappointed because something didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to or didn't happen at all, whether it be a friendship or relationship. And, um, and I get, I, I get obsessed with fixing it. Um, I get obsessed with winning the situation. I get obsessed with having the last word. Um, and I'm just obs- obsessive as before, but it's, it's a certain, it's a certain desperation as well. I become desperate to hold on to what I previously had because I, I'd been so afraid of becoming numb and becoming depressed again because I thought that feeling meant I was happy. And because I was feeling so many emotions, I felt so many positive emotions. I felt really, really happy a lot. Excuse me. And really, really hopeful and really, really excited. But the problem was it was so much that I was, I was manic. So it wasn't healthy. It was just a different spectrum of unhealthy, the other side of the spectrum of unhealthy. So I'd become obsessed with keeping or getting back what I had before and I became, I'd become desperate to hold on to things. And then, um, I would have a lot of panic attacks at kind of realizing that the way that I thought things were happening or would play out, didn't play out that way. And I'd have a lot of panic attacks at trying to hold on to it. And it's, it's just as much emotion. I cry a lot. Um, I have a lot of panic attacks when I'm manic. I cry a lot when I'm manic because it's it's so many emotions that I can't control and that I can't regulate and so many impulses to text this person and message this person and do this and manipulate this so I can get back into certain situations, which make it worse because I'm actively, I'm, I'm just thinking too much about it. Um, and I'm actively doing things that push people away because I, I need more confirmation that you're not going to leave. And I need more confirmation that this is working out. And it's, it's so many emotions, so many thoughts running through my head. Um, 
And then finally, it's, it's a stage of acceptance in between my mania and my depression where I accept that something's gone and something's lost. And, and it's, it's a new wall that I build up because generally I become excited and hopeful of new situations that I think will fix me. So, for example, um, and then I'll talk about this in a separate podcast or yeah, a separate audio file where I got a boyfriend recently. And that, that relationship didn't end up very didn't end up well um and I was very manic and very very I had very high expectations for what would happen with that and now I think I'll enter new relationships new romantic relationships a lot more jaded you know because I it's kind of like I tried it once it was a new thing I it failed I never want to do it again I never want to feel like that again so I learned a lot from it but um but because I I I can never be level it's one or the other I'm either low or manic now I'm probably going to enter a relationship low, which is just as just as bad, and I'll explain that in a minute. Because um, when I become low, I, I'm completely disengaged. I'm either completely engaged and I'm 100% all in feet, feet first, or I'm disengaged because I want to keep myself from getting riled up. There's no way that I can be healthily invested in something, you know? I have to either be all for it, all in, obsessively thinking about it constantly, or I need to be disengaged completely so that if it falls through, I'm protecting myself from that inevitable disengagement or disappointment and, um, and crash.